From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. But in my career, I was like, I don't want regrets of not trying something. I'd rather try it and fail and or decide I don't like it than not try it. Today on episode 107 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with leadership coach, organizational strategy advisor and speaker with Crimdale Consulting, Melissa Carson. Over the first two years in her own business, Melissa has made some pivots as needed while becoming clearer on what she most enjoys and what the market wants. If you're starting a consulting or coaching business, you want to hear Melissa sharing what has worked and what has led her to change course. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Melissa Carson. Melissa is a recovering corporate HR executive turned activator for leaders who want to show up as the best versions of themselves. She's also an advisor for organizations focused on creating workplaces that people want to be part of. Melissa, welcome to the show. David, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, Melissa, you have a long history of corporate employment, including a number of senior positions. What caused your transition into self-employment? Yeah, it was an interesting one because I contemplated it uh, one time before I actually took this uh, leap of faith. But I decided I really wanted to give a shot at doing the parts of the job that I love to do the most and where I wasn't spending the predominance of my time. So I quit my job and took a leap of faith. And uh, when was that? When when did you quit? I resigned, I think, June of 2019. I officially left at the end of September 2019. So on my own as a solopreneur since October 1st, 2019 is is the birth date of my uh, journey here. Well, congratulations on uh, the leap of faith and uh, and sticking with it. How have things um, transpired? Um, it's really interesting because I, I had expectations of what might happen and how easy or hard things would be. And things didn't, as you would expect, didn't play out uh, quite the way that I expected. I ended up with some work that I wasn't expecting through referrals and people I'd worked with in the past. And some things that I thought were going to happen didn't happen. And fast forward uh, six months in and we had a pandemic. So hard to gauge what would have happened in year one in a different year. But uh, it's been an interesting journey. And I think, you know, with the pandemic, some things happened that might not have happened um, as far as opportunity that showed up. And some things obviously were probably a little bit different than they might have. But it's been a bit of ups and downs, but a bit of a journey to figure out what am I enjoying doing? Because all those years of a uh, corporate world, I did a lot of different things. So I can do a lot of things, but not all of those things do I really want to do again, which is what I've been figuring out. Right. And, and doing what you enjoy doing mm-hmm. was, as you stated, was one of the primary motivations for going out on your own. Right. And so it's always that balance of making money but also doing those, you know, positioning yourselves to those things that uh, you love to do. Right. Because we can do what we enjoy without producing any money. <laughs> and that's not really a business. It's more of a hobby. Exactly. Right. And, uh, and if you're doing, if you want to do what you enjoy in a business, then you need to actually make money doing it. Yes. It's that, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> nice balance there. 
Right. And um, funny how we all have bills to pay. So yes, I did not win the lottery as part of this. Unfortunately, Yeah. For most of us, the income has to come in. So what were some of the unexpected surprises? I think particularly uh, I was trying to do some work um, going into this with nonprofits because I, I figured that they probably didn't have access to somebody with the senior HR expertise on a regular basis. And so that was one of the niches that I wanted to get into, but nothing had yet happened um, leading up to the, the pandemic. And with the pandemic, one of the things that they found that they needed is somebody with some HR experience to help navigate what do we do with workplaces, which wasn't really the niche of what I wanted to fall into of learning how the CARES Act worked. However, it gave me the opportunity to build a relationship with those leaders of that organization, build some credibility and doing, you know, talking to their constituents. So it was an opportunity that I probably wouldn't have gotten to build that reputation with that leadership team. So I think that was a a, a win, not necessarily a moneymaker right up front, because a lot of that was pro bono to get started and just make help out and make an impact. But the relationship I think will pay off and is, you know, starting to pay off for the future. So I think that was one of the the big ones. And I think the, the other aha was just the things that I have done of projects I've done in the past that I enjoy doing that I sort of said I can go out and do again. I realized I don't really want to do that part of it again. I want to help the front end, the strategy part of it. So it was an aha for me of I want to truly live on the front end versus on the, the downstream execution. Mm. So what's an example of something that w- where you'd prefer strategy as opposed to execution? So I did a lot of work in my uh, corporate world around performance management for employees. You know, what does what good look like? What are the new trends, et cetera? And so, and have implemented some of those tools or those strategies, et cetera. I prefer to do the work helping an organization figure out what might be right for them versus, hey, let's let's put all the pieces in place for them. Now, small organization, I had an opportunity earlier this year, they just needed something really quick. So that was fine, but I don't want that extended, hey, we need to do a big change management plan. We need to you know, do uh, create a lot of the process and tools. I don't want to write process and tools. I want to help shape it. I'm happy to help sell it and, and present it, but less around the day-to-day, let's figure out how do we operate it. Right. So, so what would be the problem that a client would have in this area? We don't have a, a performance management process. We're, we're a ramping up organization. We've never put one in place would be one problem. And problem two is, hey, we've been doing the same thing all the time for performance management. And we think it's probably not working as well as we want to, or we're hearing these trends in the marketplace of how other organizations have changed their performance management. Let's think about what, how do we tie all these things we're trying to do together. Mm. And what are some of the trends going on in performance management? What are some of the cutting edge ways to deal with performance, particularly, I mean, the workplace has changed so dramatically in the last year, and it's probably not going to go back to the way it was pre-pandemic. I would imagine performance management is probably a, a huge issue that companies need to address. Well, I think uh, I think a lot of it is how do you measure it? Like, what? How do you know that somebody's doing a job well? And I think one of the the root issues always has come up. Like, do you have a good process in place to set expectations? 
not just goal setting, but setting expectation of what good and great looks like. And for many organizations that were not operating in a virtual mode, they never had to figure out what was happening, which was part of their reticence for some people working at home. Like, will they actually do their job if they're at home and I can't see them in the workplace every day? Or are they going to be watching TV and eating bonbons? Well, we know that that's not what most people did. Most people ended up working more hours, but the question and and wanting more flexibility. So I think as we think about performance management, it really is around how do we set expectations clearly? How do we make sure we know what people are doing and what the outcomes that we want to measure? The big trend over the past several years has been moving away from force distributions around, hey, a ranking of, hey, we can have this many exceeds and meets and doesn't meet and forcing distributions. We've sort of moved away from that in most organizations. I think the other thing you've seen as a trend is it's not a once a year annual performance evaluation. That doesn't make sense. You may make may make sense to do compensation once a year and do a sort of pull it together and how did somebody perform? But people, we should be talking about performance day to day. How does somebody, you know, perform better tomorrow than they do today? Regular check-ins, regular coaching, development planning should be more of this continuous effort and not a big hey, I need to write a 30-page document around this person's performance. And oh, by the way, I'm going to tell them in January that last February, they screwed up. Yeah, that's a big difference. So it's that day-to-day, like we all want to get real-time input, like that didn't work. Whether it's a podcast like you and I are doing today of, hey, that style, when you do this, it doesn't work for me. Or, hey, when you do this, that was amazing. Keep doing that. That's the little stuff that helps all of us day-to-day perform better as a, you know, a, a human being, an employee, a parent, a spouse, or a partner. Those are the little things that are important. And in remembering that it's, it's our opinion of what worked and didn't work. For somebody else, it might work. Also, we're in, in an increasingly data-driven world True. where the internet and, and data tools are more and more available in a real-time basis. So I think people are getting used to having continuous feedback like this. So why not do it with performance? Exactly. And I think so many of the the tech vendors out there have built products that make this really easy. I had an opportunity recently to use a tool called Lattice with one of the clients that I was working with. And I fell in love with it because it end-to-end, you can do goal setting, you can do your track your one-on-ones in that tool and your action steps from that tool. You can provide feedback. You can request feedback. You can put performance reviews in it. You can do employee engagement surveys or pulse surveys in there. But you know, Lattice is just one of the tools that are out there that does that. But a lot of the vendors have, you know, really jumped on board to say, this is what people want to be able to do as a as a manager. It makes your job easier if it's all in one place. That's pretty cool. So Melissa, now that you're approaching two years into your uh, your new role as CEO of your own business, how do you feel about the niche that has been evolving? I'm really excited about it. I, I feel like I'm still shaping it a little bit as far as the type of organizations and people, because I do coaching as well, that I am best suited to support. Like I think I can help a lot of people, but I think knowing those that will that you can add the most value to is where I've been looking, particularly over the past couple of months and you know, sort of look at the summer as uh, finalizing of just where's that place that 
I have the most fun and I can make the greatest impact. And what I've found is on an individual basis, it is people that are driven to towards high performance in whatever they do. They know they're good at what they do. They might be great at what they do, but they know they can be better. And those are the people that I have the most fun working with because they already know that they have an opportunity to continue to, to step into their personal greatness and help the others around them. So that, that's fun for me. How long before you went out on your own were you thinking about it? I contemplated it. So I took a leap of faith in 2016 and, and resigned from my job at that point in time, with the, knowing that I didn't think it was my end game. I'd been there almost 19 years and uh, thought about, do I go out on my own at that point or go back into another organization? And at that time, I decided... I still wanted to be part of a team and I wasn't sure I was ready to go it alone and, and grow a business. I've always been an internally focused person, not an external sales professional. And it worried me. So my first inkling was about 2016, but probably winter, spring of 2019, I looked at it and my job was good. I had great opportunity, great company, but felt like there was this thing that I hadn't yet tried. And I'm a no regrets, at least on my career. I don't know about everything else, but on my career, I was like, I don't want regrets of not trying something. I'd rather try it and fail and or decide I don't like it than not try it. So that was probably starting in spring of 19 and, and resigned, I think, about June. So I didn't wait very long. I mean, I started thinking about it and just said, why not? What's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> I'm like, hopefully I can find a job if it doesn't work. Yeah, that's true. And, and I love the way you frame this about having no regrets because so many people wish they had more control over their destiny, but don't have the courage to actually take the step forward because they say, or they, they say to themselves that they're not ready. So what did ready mean to you? Ready meant to me, I knew I had a little bit of a safety net. Like I had some savings from that perspective. So I didn't, you know, if it didn't make money, you know, right away, which, and I had expectations that it wouldn't. So I had a little bit of a cushion there. It more was trusting that I had something to offer. Like I believed that 25 plus years of HR experience in a variety of different companies leading different things. I'm really good at listening to a variety of things going on and pulling the pieces together, pulling the threads together. So I knew that I had an opportunity. I knew of going through a coaching program that I was pretty good at what I did from that perspective of even in a for more formal coaching. So it's knowing that you have something that you're really good at that others would be willing to pay for. And I thought there was enough of a market in this, this place that the market was there. I thought I was, I was good at what I did. And so then it's just trusting that my instincts and that what other people had told me in the past, Hey, you're good at what you do. So trusting that. And I think a lot of it is mindset. Yeah, self-confidence is really important. And I, and I know that you've done a lot of work on mindset. I know you also have uh, some, um, that's an area where you shine and where you help people. So I try for sure, because I think it makes a huge difference. I think the one thing I got caught up, like many people who uh, go on this journey is what there are already so many people who do what I do. Why should I add to it? And I always go back to the comment that people make, like, there's not just one pizza joint in a town or a city. There are multiple and they can all succeed or many of them can succeed to because people have different preferences on what they like or what style of pizza. Same thing with a coach or a consultant. 
there are lots of people who do it. So why not be a, the differentiated person that somebody else is uh, needing? The pie is big enough for everybody. It expands. That is definitely true. How did you deal with the issue that you weren't sure how you felt about sales? I'm still dealing with that one, but I, I think it comes down to really thinking about we all sell every day, regardless of that, is it if it's in our job title or not, because we have to sell an idea. We have to sell to our children that they should try this new sport or that they should, you know, do this other thing, this other thing, or we have to sell an idea at the workplace to our boss of, you know, why they should give us a flexible schedule, whatever it is, every day we're selling. And I think it comes down to relationships. So if you go into the selling process of, I just want to go build some relationships and from those relationships, figure out, is there a need that that person or that organization has that I can fill? Or frankly, I know somebody else who can fill, you know, that helps. So it doesn't feel my great word yucky, you know, to go out and, and, and sell, but I'm still not a hundred percent like I'm not super confident about, but I am confident that I can go build relationships and that some of it, the sales will come. Yeah. Relationships are really important, particularly in a consulting or coaching business. That's really the heart of what leads to sales. Mm -hmm. Melissa, as you have moved into your, your role in your own business, how have you, how have you sourced some of the resources that you felt you needed to, to help you learn what you needed to learn that would be new or to fill needs that you had for your business? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's been an interesting journey because there's so much out there of like this person can sell this to you and this person can sell you and you can be a better, a better, uh, this or that in, in just 25 days, you know, it's sort of like that, you know, lose weight in 25 days. Like there's a lot of things out there. So I did a little bit of, you know, online research about certain tools that I wanted to use from a productivity perspective of, you know, and this was before COVID of, you know, what sort of video conference do I want to use? You know, what kind of calendaring scheduling? So I just, I did a little bit of the internet search as well as asking other people, like what, it, what tools do they like? And generally starting with free stuff. And then I've stuck with the ones that I've liked and, you know, upgraded subscriptions as uh, plausible. I have hired some people from a coaching or sales perspective from time to time. And then I also starting to realize there are things that I could do myself that may not make sense from a perspective of somebody else is going to be better at it or do it faster or cheaper than, than my time might be worth. So starting to find places to outsource. So some uh, content that I, I just needed aggregated that I could do. And it would probably take me five or 10 hours. But I had found this organization through networking where they were trying to partner college students who weren't able to find some internships, particularly during the winter, who had creative talent and were willing to take on some of these jobs. So I was giving them experience and I was better using my time. So I think it's a little bit of that, but it's having it's really easy to fall into buying everybody's course, everybody's uh, tools or everybody's strategy because you wonder, does somebody else have it figured out better than you have? There's certainly a lot of marketing hype in this space. Yes. And um, yeah, well, I, I found that uh, just because somebody's really good at marketing their stuff doesn't mean that there's uh, a lot of substance in the content. So we're, yeah, working through that can be quite challenging. And what works for you or works for the, the, the person that you know may not still resonate with you because different in knowing who your client base is going to be 
versus somebody else's. If it's their client base is the 20 something um, who's very active on the internet and these types of places and, and that's not your audience, whatever that person is selling may not be relevant. Right. But I think everything you listen to, take the parts of it that resonate and weave them into your model and throw away the rest. Yeah, that's actually great advice. I, I, I also find that with all these resources, I find a lot of it doesn't fit the style that I want. So the actual result that they're producing might be the kind of result that I want. But if the style doesn't fit, then right. it's, it's not particularly good. And I think the other piece that's been hard, and COVID has been great for a lot of online learning and opportunities because there's so much out there now. But there's so much out there now. So you could spend all of your time watching somebody else or listening to somebody else talk about it versus, you know, jumping in and, you know, getting past the fear and just doing it. Great advice. Melissa, we've talked to, about a lot of different subjects with regard to going from employment to self-employment, building a consulting and coaching business, uh, what you're doing in the HR space. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or access any resources that you may have, where would the best place be for them to go? So I do have a, web, a website, Crimdell Consulting, can't speak today. So a lot of my content's there and you can find me there. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. I write original content every day and post it there. So you can get a perspective on what do I think about teams and leadership and, you know, leading ourselves right there as well. Right. And, and do you have a download that you want to talk about? I do have a download. I did put together, particularly for this uh, session, the mindset of a solopreneur because, or, or a small business, it doesn't have to just be you, but making that decision that you can do this, can jump into it and stay into it. So what are the things to, to think about? And what are the things when it starts not going the way that you imagine it could go? Because we all hope that we're the one person that everything falls into place, that like we've, we've won, the, won the lottery. Everybody's just buying and it's all easy. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And so how to get yourself back on track. So just a quick download uh, PDF uh, that you can check out. Great. And where can people access that? I, we can put it in the show notes, but also on my, uh, we'll put it on my website. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll, we'll include the link in the show notes. Great. So Melissa, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo. My guest has been leadership coach, organizational strategy advisor, and speaker with Crimdale Consulting, Melissa Carson. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to maintain your mindset to persevere in your own business and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.